Welcome to the Stockout. This is your show at Freight Waves for all things related to the CPG industry. I'm your host, Mike Bowden-Distel. I'm the head of Intermodal Solutions here at uh, Freight Waves. And for those not familiar with Freight Waves, we are the largest media and data provider that's focused on freight transportation and logistics um, and supply chains. And uh, today, I think it'll be a really interesting discussion. I'm going to have two guests on from a company called Borto. Borto is an AI-based platform that automates uh, shipper supply chains across procurement, logistics, and carriers. They're also making a big push into retail and CPG after getting their start in the uh, energy industry. So just lots of uh, really topical um, you know, subject matter there. I was just listening, listening to the Kellogg uh, you know, analyst call, and they were talking about using, uh, you know, AI to, you know, better predict, uh, you know, consumers' behavior and enabling them to leverage the data that they have for targeted promotions, uh, things of that nature. So um, just really hot topic, anything related to AI, um, everyone's trying to figure that out uh, right now. So I'll do that, and I'll talk a little bit about the CPG earnings season. I think sort of the big uh, theme there is that most CPG companies performing well and better than expectations, uh, with the exception of maybe the meat packers, uh, which I'll talk about. Uh, Tyson, which reported uh, this morning, uh, go through that a little bit. Uh, but before I do those things, would invite anyone who's not already signed up for the CPG newsletter uh, that I do uh, to go ahead and do that. Anyone's interested in uh, just uh, consumer packaged goods, supply chains, and uh, freight transportation, you can do that pretty easily. Go to freightwaves.com forward slash the stockout, and would encourage you to do that with a lot of those other newsletters as as, as well. A lot of good information that we that we put out. Um, on a weekly basis, try to send that out every Wednesday at uh, two o'clock Eastern. And the other uh, sort of quick uh, advertisement I give here is I'd highlight our next month's future of supply chain events. So this is a, a big freight waves conference that we have. And, uh, you know, we have two big conferences every year. This one is going to be in Cleveland. As you can see on the graphic there, it's going to be at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, June 21st to, through 23rd. We have a great lineup of uh, speakers there. I'll probably be at the Sonar uh, booth uh, talking about our our data uh, product, uh, Sonar. And so hopefully to, to see some members of the Stockout uh, community uh, you know, at that uh, conference. And so with that, I'll uh, go into today's uh, news topic. Uh, I'll try to make this brief so we can save time for the um, the, the discussion here with, with Vorto. But really, um, sort of the big news item today is Tyson shares under significant amount of pressure, they're down 15%. Uh, percent. So this is the second worst performing uh, stock in the S&P 500 uh, today. You can see that uh, drop off there um, at, at the right uh, column down uh, almost uh, $10. And you see it's been a, a round trip uh, during the during the pandemic, going from 60 to 100, uh, now down to $50.93. And, and so they reported today Second quarter profitability weaker than expected. Adjusted earnings was a four cent loss after posting an EPS of two dollars and twenty nine cents a year ago. Period. They cut guidance sales uh, guidance went from three to seven percent growth to zero to one percent growth, and then margins in the various margin uh, guidance in the various segments were cut anywhere from two hundred to three hundred basis points, with the exception of the um, the branded uh, products that uh, are basically the, the processed uh, the processed food. Those are uh, not being not being changed. So this is kind of the the one I think sector of of CPG that's not doing as well. And and part of that is because it's a difficult comparison because meat was uh, doing so well during the pandemic. Now consumers are are cutting back on the higher cuts of meat, even if they aren't. And so some seem to be doing that for other types 
of uh, packaged uh, goods. Um, some other highlights here: volume up three point three percent, and an average sales uh, price was um, was was down three point two percent. So actually, seeing some um, you know uh, inflation, you know, you know deflation in in the in the price of meat. So that's at least a good thing for uh, consumers. And, and really, sort of the the issue that um, you know Tyson's having is that it's rising costs to purchase you know live cattle, uh, live hogs. Uh, their input costs rising. Um, so really sort of a, the reverse of the market dynamics. You know, in the early days of the pandemic, when they were able to buy, um, you know, those those animals at, at really attractive, uh, you know, prices, and you probably saw the um, the news last week, they're cutting 10% of the corporate uh, positions, including 15% of the corporate leadership uh, positions, um, all at the same time that they're trying to automate the sort of the frontline hourly workers. So it kind of just kind of highlights. Um, and I think the CPG industry and the, and the economy overall, the mismatch between, um, you know, education levels and maybe big skill levels and the positions that are, that are, that are needed. So that's a, this one I'll, I'll write up for the, the newsletter this week, and then just want to highlight quickly one, um, sonar chart, if we can get that on, uh, the, the screen. So what this shows is, Drive-in contract rates in um, in white, excluding fuel, and then the 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 spot rates, the drive-in spot rates in orange, with a, an algorithm to remove fuel, and it shows that the contract rates, let's call it uh, close to seventy-five cents above the spot rates, and um, you know I've made the argument in other written material that the um, CPG companies are not trying to wring every dollar out of the supply chain uh, right now. I mean, they could be more aggressive if they wanted to. But it seems to me that really they're, they're prioritizing service, prioritizing building relationships with carriers under the theory that um, if they take care of their carriers now in a loose freight market, um, when things eventually turn, the carriers will take care of them. Their uh, tenders will not be rejected, uh, well, at least not be the first to be to, to be rejected. So that's to me, seems to be the approach that a lot of these big shippers that need lots of capacity are taking, um, which uh, also speaks to how the larger, you know, dr- um, trucking companies are doing better than the the, the, the smaller trucking companies. Uh, so, with that, as a little bit of a, a overview of um, what's happening in the, in the CPG industry, we'd like to bring on today's guests. We have two guests from Vorto. Uh, thank you, gentlemen, for for joining me. Um, uh, first, I have Preesh Ranjan, CEO of Vorto. Uh, thank, thanks for for being here and. Ramesh uh, Chakala is a strategic advisor uh, to, to Vorto. He also spent 11 years as a senior vice president of global supply chain at Walmart. So a tremendous amount of experience uh, there. Uh, thank you both for joining me. Thanks for having us. My pleasure. Yeah. So just to get started, why don't you give us a little bit of just an overview of Vorto, who the typical customers are, sort of what you're, uh, you're hoping to accomplish there, maybe how the business got started. We'll be interested um, in, in all of those things. Just some background, you know, uh, 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 I think the company started in 2015 before my time and we used to be a TMS software uh, company at the time. And one of the things we started noticing uh, that there was a lot of uh, challenges in uh, visibility between three parties and that was shippers, uh, suppliers who provided different products as well as uh, carriers. So Vorto actually uh, revamped its complete offering and uh, developed a complete uh, autonomous supply chain platform where we automated all the way from predicting the demand signal for the shippers to uh, 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 providing forecasts for the products to the suppliers, all the way down to uh, uh, dispatching the driver at the trucking company. 
So that created a, uh, an end-to-end integration with regards to uh, managing the demand signal, managing the inventory at the working gap of the shipper, uh, managing the uh, utilization of the suppliers who were trying to find uh, out that knowledge of what is needed in the future, uh, all the way down to maximizing the driver efficiency uh, for the carrier. So that's basically what the platform does. Uh, we work in the energy sector, so a lot of large uh, energy um, service companies are on the platform that move up a very large amount of uh, products, SKUs, and freight. Uh, since then, we have also expanded into this uh, consumer products uh, good industry, mostly retail and grocery, as well as the drainage industry, uh, which is mostly at the ports. Uh, so those are our three main markets that we are really focused on. Yeah, so, so how has that transition uh, been? I mean, I would imagine those really have different you know, drivers, energy industry, looking at oil prices and those things, and then, you know, consumer goods, you know, not as volatile, but sort of looking at inventory levels and, and all those things. Like, what are some of the, the inputs that go into that that predictive um, uh, methodology? You know, the most common thread we see across all three of these industries are basically uh, three common problems. Uh, everybody's trying to solve for on-time performance with regards to making sure that they don't stock out. Uh, the second problem every shipper is trying to figure out is how to hold just the right amount of inventory to reduce their working capital. And then the third thing that most of them are always trying to figure out is, as you know, the freight industry is incredibly cyclical. So you you get the tightness and looseness, some of the things that you were alluding to early on, where how can you build platforms where you can drive efficiency irrespective of whether it being a tight market or a loose market. So this common thread has been across pretty much everybody, every shipper across all three industries, they want to reduce their freight cost, reduce their working capital, and not have stockouts. And the way we have gone about building the platform is we plug into the demand signal for the shipper. So the software predicts, you know, all the SKUs that are needed. Uh, it automatically sources that from their network of suppliers. So it cuts the BOs, it schedules the appointment types all the way for their warehouses, the suppliers' warehouses. And then it goes end-to-end uh, where... Uh, the trucker gets dispatched uh, and you have that end-to-end visibility on when the trucker will show up, pick up that product, deliver it, and, and the inventory will go back up. Uh, the trucking platform is an extension of Wordu. It's called 5F, uh, where we have aggregated owner operators uh, and created a freight platform by plugging them into, the sh- into this, uh, what we call shipper pooling. So it creates efficiencies uh, for the shipper as well as for the trucker. As you know, majority of the shippers are incredibly small in America within the 800 billion dollars of freight, where they're not able to create enough efficiencies with their, with their own volume uh, for these truckers. So by using AI to pool the shippers, I pool the truckers, we've been able to create a win-win uh, where we are reducing the working capital for the shipper, not letting them have stockouts, having a lower freight cost, and on the other side, increasing the efficiency for the trucker having a high earnings for the trucker, so it creates a win-win for all parties. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 interesting. So it's it's basically there's this inefficiency in the marketplace that you're trying to solve for, which is I guess the big reason why broke the truck brokerage industry is as big. So is that sort of your your thought on the market overall is that oh as the years go by more of the the truck brokerage automation, which still to a large extent gets takes takes place over the phone, a lot of that will be sort of automated away. So, so I'll answer that I do do uh two two points. You know, when we entered the space and we looked at the freight volatility, which is the market getting oversupplied, undersupplied, and trying to figure out how do you create stability 
we actually learned something completely different. We realized that the volatility actually doesn't happen with the shipper-carrier relationship. The volatility actually happens at the driver level. So it's the driver that quits and plays musical shares across carriers. So that's why you have 94% churn, right? So we may, I may be a carrier, may have a very good relationship with the shipper, but the person that quits and creates the volatility is the driver because of uh, lack of consistent work, lack of consistent efficiencies. So one of the things we noticed is a lot of the relationships in our, uh, between brokers and carriers in covering freight is very transactional. It's not really solving the root cause of maximizing the efficiency for the truck and maximizing the efficiency for the driver, the, the, the main person that, is, that actually does the trucking. So I don't know, uh, you know where the brokerage or the carrier industry will move, but I know one thing for a fact that as you know, we are bringing in technology and many other companies are bringing in technology, uh, a lot of them are going to really get, get refocused on maximizing the efficiency uh, to reduce the FD miles, to reduce the idle time between shipments for these truckers. Uh, and that transactional relationship will start going away. Will that need automation? 100%. Today, uh, you know, we move a very large amount of uh, freight and with zero interactions. There is no phone calls being picked up. There is no uh, negotiations happening because as soon as you start adding those levels of inefficiencies in the system, all that noise kicks in and the driver gets inefficient. So, uh, yeah, I absolutely believe that uh, connection of freight to the end trucker uh, uh, will be several times more automated than what it has been for the last two decades uh, in America. Yeah, maybe I can just add a couple of comments. Mike is, uh, you know, be, being in this retail and, and supply chain business for close to three decades, what we have always seen is whenever we plan our trucks, plan our carriers, plan our uh, workflow, it's always been a static environment. You know, you have a lot of data inputs and based on the data inputs, you know, you plan your uh, truck, you know, you plan your schedule and everything. With the complexity of supply chain that has really been increasing with e-commerce and multiple data inputs, the need of the hour, I feel, is more dynamic and real-time activity compared to the static way of doing business. That's what I think is a big difference with automation is it helps with the dynamic, more real time, you know, you know, it takes all this, you know, m multiple variables, tens and hundreds of variables in a more real time and, and optimizes and creates that efficiency that has always been a problem because at the end of the day, when you look at the whole transportation side, you know, you have a lot of, uh, you know, empty miles, uh, you know, a lot of opportunities on uh, reducing the take rate or the, or the brokerage uh, commission fees, et cetera, on, and then still that utilization of the assets and, 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 and the resources is not the best. So that's what I feel the automation is going to help at the end of the day is optimizing all these multiple variables in a very dynamic, real-time manner to precious point of going after all three, which is, you know, Reducing cost, you know, increasing sales with less auto stocks and reducing working capital. You know, inventory is still a big issue, uh, uh, e even after the pandemic. So that's what I feel is going to be a huge help by automating uh, the whole process that uh, Priyash kind of talked to. And that's the reason you have more strategic relationships, I feel. You know, transactional relationships we've been having for decades. The need of the hour is more strategic uh, relationships. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, I just wanted to ask you, I mean, have you noticed a lot of the big you know, companies, big shippers more willing to invest in these type of technologies here in the last, let's say, few years? Because I know at least the CPG companies have said, well, these challenges have been sort of unprecedented. I mean, it was like, you think about like Kraft Heinz saying at any given day, we either don't have some ingredient we need or we don't have some piece of packaging we need. And it's like, I, I guess the idea with your system to a large extent is to sort of get ahead of some of those problems to sort of figure them out ahead of time. So I think, uh, you know, I'll let Ramesh elaborate, but kind of where we saw, where we saw a lot of openness towards solving these three problems was uh, during the COVID disruptions. And it started uncovering uh, this dynamic nature of supply chain, right? Uh, to his point, everything was done in a very static environment with regards to how supplier networks are managed, with regards to how freight is managed. And there are certain things you can predict. And then there are certain things in supply chain you just need to react incredibly fast. Uh, technology and software allows you to react in a matter of seconds. Whereas Madbull processes uh, makes you react in weeks, sometimes months, right? And that has uh, stockouts, that has sales of back. So there has definitely been a, a, a lot more awareness in the shipper community with CPG uh, uh, energy as well as at the range import, import export markets where people realize that software allows you to react faster to disruptions. Uh, you know, sometimes I sit down and I think about it is how much can you predict and how much can you react? The more we have learned over the last five years with this platform is you can, you can build a system across two proof statements. One is predict certain things and second is react incredibly fast. And because supply chain is so dynamic and there are so many moving variables, what we are noticing is that you're better off reacting incredibly fast because a lot of things cannot be predicted. And and software plays a really, really powerful game there from uh, changing the demand signal to rescheduling uh, uh, procurement, to rescheduling appointment times, to figuring out which carrier, which trucker really should deliver this load. And all of that stuff uh, we do uh, in matters of microseconds on the platform. It, it gets operationalized uh, end-to-end through automation. Uh, and that has kind of been uh, kind of the biggest awareness on why technology is valuable uh, relative to how it was done in the past. I'll let Ramesh uh, give his perspective from a retailer's perspective as well. Yeah, just one comment on that. You know, the, you know, the, the advantage of the AI really helps create the learning layer, right? You know, you, you know, you keep learning from the problem each time. When you keep learning from from the problem each time, uh, you know your 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 algorithms get better, and and, and your errors become less, and more predictability gets better. So that's what really is attractive. When I've seen uh, this company the last uh, couple of months, is that's something has that has been missing in the whole retail and CPG industry is uh, is that continuous learning layer with uh, AI automation that will help optimize the efficiencies you need across all angles. So that's something that is going to be a huge help, I feel. Uh, and then it could be an inflection point, it's similar to you know how things happen with uh, you know sh- you know share uh, right scenarios, right? The whole industry has gotten uh, uh, become different in the last uh, 10, 15 years. Same, same thing with this, I feel, uh, in the next several years as well. Yeah, you, you bring up a lot of good points, how you have to react quickly to, to change things that are unexpected and then you know, learn from, from all these things that have, um, that have just taken place. You don't repeat the same mistakes. Um, 
Ramesh, I want to ask you about um, just you have such great experience when um, in retail. I mean, wh what can a CPG company do to keep their retail partners happy, avoid on time and full fees? Um, and, and what changes do you see taking place in terms of um, supply, retail supply chains? Yeah. Yeah. So when you look at uh, it's almost like a three leg stool, right, Mike? You know, when you think about our four, maybe is, you know, when you have the suppliers, uh, you know, which, which are basically the manufacturer, the CPG companies, the retailers, then you have all kinds of assets everywhere and you have resources, the drivers. So, you know, when you take all these four uh, pieces and we know all the problems that we have had with that, you know, you'd be equipment availability, the assets availability, the utilization of it, the driver turnover, all that stuff, right? And and then um, you know, product not being on the shelf uh, for the for the shippers. Uh, I feel that you know more and more as you move forward, you're going to take a lot of this middle layers out. Uh, you know, I think the time has come for the uh, lo you know some of this brokerage, the middle layers to uh, you know. Uh, to be taken uh, to taken out and 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 cut through, cut through those uh, pieces out and optimize the whole supply chain. I see that happening in the next few years, uh, where you know it's going to be you know the ecosystem partnership and relationship is going to change. I feel because of the technology utilization, the digitalization, the automation. That's where it's going to play a huge role, and that's what I was talking earlier on. The dynamic, the real time, all that activity will really can be a sea change or reducing cost significantly if we really leverage that. Then, the example, Mike, is if you look at the overall transportation, you probably have all, all kinds of data. You know, the the empty miles of the deadhead is 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 is, not, is is pretty high. You know, even from big companies, or aiming in any specific data of any company, but the those empty miles of deadhead is very high. So as the supply chain gets more complex, you have more middle mile, you have more last mile, there's more activity over there. There's a need for the supply chain efficiency to happen because you know most of the, you know, majority of the e-commerce uh, uh, companies do not make money or are not profitable. So this is what I feel is going to help, especially on the short hauls. As you, because... The biggest expense for e-commerce is the short hauls, you know, the, la the, the last mile. It's where the efficiency can kick in and, and you, you cut down all this uh, middle people and, and, more, and have more automation. That can have a significant 20-30% plus uh, impact and reducing cost uh, if, we, if we really implement uh, these type of platforms with the right people and process uh, aspects as well. I don't know if I answered your question, Mike. No, I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, I mean, I do wonder with more technologies like this, you know, take place based on all you're describing. It almost makes it seem like the level, the playing field will be more level for the small trucking companies. Because, you know, large trucking companies have enough scale that they have, you know, someone they can dispatch to get the backhaul. They don't have to rely on a brokered load. That's not going to pay very much. Um, so you're reducing those, those inefficiencies. Sounds like to me that would help the smaller carriers more than help the larger carriers. So I think that's interesting. Um, I wanted to ask you about, um, you, know, you have some interesting statistics on your website about the environmental impact of eliminating a lot of these empty miles. Out hey, of mile. Can I make a, add a comment over here very quickly? Sure. As you mentioned Please. about uh, 
Uh, you mentioned about uh, making an impact on all the small uh, truckers and uh, drivers and all. You know, to working coming out of big, big, uh, working at uh, big corporations, I also feel that you know a lot of these companies have private fleets with, which are not utilized really well. So the advantage you'll get is you know those companies will have an advantage of working with this type of platforms to have a better ecosystem partnerships with the suppliers as well because they don't have the data points for everything now if you play if you get on with this platform and and then for example you know you have the outbound you know if when your truck comes back from the store you want to optimize it right now we have if you work with the you know these type of platforms then you have better opportunity of uh, hooking up with multiple suppliers because you have so much more intelligence so only thing I'll differ with you is, you know, those bigger corporations also have underutilized assets and, and less control of supply chain. So this will help uh, have a better ecosystem partnership and utilize their assets a lot more better than what it is today. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, you shouldn't forget that these companies have private fleets. Those are expensive assets. They have a hard time recruiting drivers, you know, also, you know, that can have a big, you know, impact to their supply chains um, as, as, as well. Um, maybe just our last question to wrap it up. And can you talk a little bit about the environmental impact that companies like yours can have? I know a lot of these, these CPG companies really care about their um, carbon footprint. Some are actually starting to put like the carbon label, almost like a nutrition label of how much carbon impact it is. So um, I don't think that trend's going to go away, but, but maybe talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So, so I think, you know, obviously in the, in the freight industry, the simplest way to, to quantify that is reduction of empty miles and adding time. And uh, that's been a very, uh, very big topic with CPG uh, companies. In fact, uh, you know, all of these different companies that do apprenticeships with regards to uh, the carbon footprint impact. In fact, I think we are going through right now one with Nasdaq, uh, and that's a very, uh, it's a very important uh, uh, component on, uh, you know, uh, their messaging to to their investors to Wall Street, as well as them being able to clearly demonstrate tangibly on how are they achieving those goals across their different uh, aspects of their value chain. That may be through manufacturing, it may be through freight, it may be through all of the above, right? So that's definitely been a very uh, hot topic, especially the CPG industry. Um, I don't think we have a single customer that just has never asked us for a report like that. So uh, totally agree. It's a, it's, a, it's a pretty big topic. And you know, a few things to just kind of, uh, that we have seen as a learning, is, you know, oftentimes the thought process is uh, efficiencies are, are driven by reducing empty miles. Uh, as you start looking at short haul, medium haul, long haul networks, you'll start re realizing that the carbon footprint impact comes from different aspects, from reducing idle time, uh, maximizing the truck. And one of the things we are starting to notice very clearly and very quickly is all the volatility that happens in the trucking industry happens at the driver level. 96% of America's trucking are small fleets, less than 20 trucks. So technically, that's the that's the main market or where freight actually truly moves, very large amount of freight moves. And almost all shippers, all carriers uh, do not have enough volume to drive that level of efficiency. Whether that's a large carrier or whether that's a large shipper, uh, their volumes are minuscule. Uh, and an $800 billion of freight uh, across America. So one of the things that we are really focused on is 
pooling shippers, pooling truckers, and creating that that uh, efficiency across both sides of the marketplace. And that has started to really have a very large impact from a carbon footprint perspective, and obviously from a freight cost perspective and, uh, and a sustainability perspective. But it's incredibly important to look at this from a holistic view uh, than what a single truck is doing within a carrier base or you know a private fleet. So that pooling has become one of the main components uh, of what we are trying to solve for, and then obviously have a sustainable environmental impact doing doing that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I, I think there's a lot to um, improve in terms of efficiency there, you know, on both sides of the of the market. Um, you know, unfortunately, this is all the time we have for today. But thanks so much for joining me. And uh, how can people reach out to, to, to you and reach out and learn more about Vorto? I mean, uh, they can reach out on our uh, website. Uh, there is a uh, there is a way to contact us. Uh, so please feel free to reach out to us. And uh, uh, hopefully, hopefully, we are making a. Uh, uh, a positive impact in the industry and I look forward to uh, the coming years with regards to uh, all the transformation we're trying to drive uh, in, the, in the CPG uh, industry. Great. Well, well, best of luck with it. Uh, we'll be watching and um, hope you all wish you all the best.